Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. Sure, the power of love is just so much more than the power of, of brokenness and rejection. Um, and sometimes we think we, we must fight rejection with more rejection. You know, we must resist rejection harder or give rejection back. But when the love of God comes, it just sits it's so flat. So it's so beautiful. Thank you that you love and receive me and love and receive other people. So the teacher, pardon me, is like quickly just tell them there is a place where you do reject rejection because the enemy comes to lie to us and we can say no to those lies and yes to the father but the power is so much more in receiving the love of God than um, being overwhelmed by the lies of of the enemy so amen let's pray God um, we just want you we want to change we don't want to stay the same we don't want doctrine we want you we want your truth and we want your presence holy spirit we're so desperate i'm so desperate for you come and change us god you're so excited and wanting to change us and we just want to say yes we just say yes we want to change lord we want to become more like you we want to be more free and more whole and we just love you holy spirit you're so good lord we love you so much we love you so much thank you for freedom god come and have your way in this place in this morning in jesus name and all god's people said amen turn to your neighbor and tell them are you expecting to meet with the presence of god today So for those of you who don't know me, um, Izan was talking about the cabaret stuff because um, I work, um, people ask me sometimes, what are you, um, and and it's normal, we ask each other what we do because it's the way you get to know people, but sometimes when I think somebody wants to put me in a certain category, I'll just give the doctrinally correct answer and I'll say, I'm a child of God because it's who I am. So whether I'm doing flowers or whether I'm doing stand-up comedy and cabaret, which I'm doing 80% of my time now, whether I do that or help with students, whatever, who I am, I'm who God says I am. And every day, you and me, we have to fight to say yes to who God says we are. Because otherwise, we will spend lots of times, lots of time saying no to the lies. But we can just every day say yes to the truth. But that's my and your responsibility because the Holy Spirit's already offering it. Every time the enemy comes on this side and say, hey, but you must have shame because of this reason. Hey, you must have fear because of this reason. You can know that with the one finger, there's a tap here. But with two fingers, with double the invitation, there's the Holy Spirit saying, but you are celebrated because the blood of Jesus is paid for you. You are loved. You have fear of God, so you don't have fear of those things. So we, the fight, enemies, and the enemy's been overcome. It's not like it was Jesus, Satan, ooh, zero, zero, one, one, or two, one, or 14, one. No, no, it, there was one battle, and it was done. It was finished. The score is Jesus, one, Satan, zero, Okay? But now there's this battle. Our flesh wants to go and partner with the lies of the enemy, with darkness. But the Holy Spirit comes and we get born again and our spirit's alive. So the spirit is going, wait, wait, no, don't partner with that. Come and partner with me. But now there's this fight over here, over here, under who will you submit? And that's the power of being here. Now we just keep on reminding and encouraging each other. Hey, just keep on choosing that. No, it's not a drama as enemy wants you to believe. It's not a lost case. It's lies, lies, lies. Let's say no, let's just say yes to the truth. Who does God say you are? Let me say it over you. So that's why there's power in affirming one another because God loves, God affirms, God builds up, God encourages through that. So hallelujah, thank you Jesus for what you want to do in this morning. And so in that I want to ask, can I live a life? So, So my question today is against darkness or for Jesus? Are you living a life of being against darkness, being against sin, being against brokenness? Or are you living a life being with Jesus, being for Jesus, being for healing, being for restoration, being for resurrection of family member relationships, resurrection of the dead, resurrection of hope, resurrection of love in your heart where it's grown cold because of hurt or disappointment. Like which one are you for? Because guys, (laughs) so funny, I can spend my whole life being against Satan, being against brokenness, you know, sin, um, being unfaithful, being against brokenness and never preach the gospel and never encourage one child of God. 
Never pray for one sick person to get healed. But I'm, hello, Mikey. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so the enemy wants the whole time for us to think we're alone. And I travel a lot at this stage, this season of my life for work. So the enemy spends a lot of time to telling me, like like we said, the lies going, you're not alone, you're not loved. And then the Lord is like, no, man, you, you are loved. So when I saw my friend's face, one of the friends who God uses to remind me that I am loved, that's why I just quickly greeted her because there's something in my heart going, yes, for truth. So guys, there's power in picking up the phone and telling somebody you still believe in them and the call on God's life in the place of work, in their place of marriage, in their place where they are praying as an intercessor. There's power. God wants to release affirmation and fire into the bellies of one another through our words. And God's not going to smack you over the head and say, there you go. God's saying, to and throw I look, who will be my mouthpiece? And then he just uses whoever sticks up their hand first. Isn't that awesome? In the world, it's like the best, the most attractive, the cleverest, the fastest. You get a prize. In the kingdom of heaven, it's like, who wants to partner with me till the end? The prize is yours. How cool is that? So I've like never won anything in my life. And then with God, it's just like willing. It's like, you're a winner if you are willing with Jesus because you're a winner because you're part of the team that says one and there's another team that says zero. So yes, there's a battle now while Jesus comes back, but when he comes back, he's just going to finish off the zero one situation that he started at the cross. So we're talking about, am I living a lifestyle of being against sin or for Jesus? So let's look at what the word says. In Matthew 12 verse 30, it says, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So it says the same thing twice. If you're not for me, you are against me. If you're not gathering my sheep, my people, the kingdom, like you're scattering it, there's just the two options. So I don't see any place in the word where Jesus says we must um, stand for being against Satan. (laughs) He calls us to be for him. And now you must, you may think, yeah, Mariette, we know, we know. Uh, but the thing is, once we start living lifestyles that are so in awe of God and free of not being in awe of sin and running for him, the fruits are going to show, you know. So I'm not saying we're not bearing fruit. I'm just saying there's more fruit to be, be- to be born, bed, bed, boar, boar, isn't that like a male, all these animals, ne? Um, <laughs> so... I'm just saying there's so much more that God wants to do, and I don't want to miss out. I don't want to spend the rest of my life with here and there a salvation, here and there healing. I'm like, Jesus, you paid for everyone and everything, and I want everyone and everything where I go to encounter you because you're already perfect, and your heart bled for them, your body as well, and you paid the price. So you are for them. The Holy Spirit's in me, the one that raises dead to life. So you're perfect. Something's not happening. Connect my dots. Yeah or change my heart, or whatever, but we need to fight and say, God, I'm not happy with where I am am at. I'm thankful for where I am at, stuff that has happened, but I want more. That's our part, where we play and say, Holy Spirit, I want more. Because if you don't want the people at your job saved, you don't have to have them saved. If you don't want a heart for people that don't know Jesus, you don't have to have it. You're a Christian, you can have whatever you want. You can have sin, you can have partner with fear and with the enemy, Or you can say yes to what the Holy Spirit wants. (laughs) Even the birds singing along, worshiping. King of kings, because this world, this world is waiting eagerly, the word says, for the sons and daughters to reveal the glory of God. And God's like, if you keep quiet, the rocks will sing out, all my birds. And I'm just like, Lord, I don't worship because you need it. I worship because I want to partner with the angels and the birds. And this earth bringing you glory. Okay, so what does it mean practically to be for God and not against brokenness? Okay, here's a question. So I'm at a wedding recently and a friend from school comes up to me and he asked me my favorite question. A question about God. (laughs) I love that. Makes me so happy. Best pre-drinks of a wedding in my life. Um, So he's like, hey Mariette, and also because I prayed a lot for my friend many years ago. Um, So he's like, Mariette, please help me. That fear of the Lord thing. What does that mean? I'm like, good question. In the beginning, I was also like, God, 
So I pray for fear to leave me at night because the spirit of fear was like torturing me since I was little and then God comes to free us. Um, and then the world lies and says, no, it's normal, little children, they are afraid. Now it's not normal for a spirit of fear to minister to little children. That's a little lie that becomes part of culture, but the truth sets us free. Amen. So now um, I'm like, Lord, so you deliver me of fear, but you want me to be scared of you. I'm like, this is really difficult for me to understand. And then I realized, sure, there were so like other words in Greek and Hebrew, and we translated, and it's this, this, there's this letter, there's the book, there's the word of God, and then it's the spirit in conjunction with the word that opens it up. So then, you know, in time I realized, okay, so fear of God, one of the meanings, pardon me, is to be in such awe of this holy God of this mighty God, of this perfect God, of God that decides who will be for eternity in hell and for the God who decides for who will be for eternity reconciled with his love, that you have such a respect for him, such a reverence, such an honor towards him, that everything in your heart wants to be partnering with him and in right standing with him. So the fear of God leads your heart to having this overwhelming desire to be with him and to be for him and to partner with his truth and his life and his holiness because that what he, that's what he invites us to. So when I, am, when I am so in awe of how big God is, how mighty, and how good his heart is, because remember the enemy wants us to believe he's not that mighty and he's not that good. But when I say no to those lies and I keep on every day reminding myself and my friends, praise God for small group, praise God for coffee, praise God for a WhatsApp, praise God for walking in the store and God says, just would you tell that person my heart is still for them. Like, so we need to stir up all the time and encourage each other all the time and we need to encourage ourselves and say, come on, like, this is the truth. We must dig into the word and declare the word over ourselves the whole time because this truth is going to set us free. So when I'm whole time in that place of truth, I'm so in awe of how big he is and how good he is. I cannot at the same time be in awe of Satan, of brokenness. I cannot be in awe of fear fear of rejection, fear of not making it, um, fear of disappointment. I cannot be in awe of disappointments in my life when I keep on reminding myself and I choose to be in awe, in fear of how big and how good he is. So there's this place where we sometimes slip and we say, yes, yes, in theory, um, fear of God. Amen, that's good preaching. But here in my heart, what consumes my thoughts are fear of brokenness, like fear of people's hurt. So now I'm trying to reach out to people around me. And this person swears, not only swears, they blaspheme. They go for gold. It's not like, um, you know, their brokenness isn't like they slap somebody. Brokenness is bragging about sleeping with someone else's, you know, wife. And um, now I'm in a conversation with you. And now I can be in so overwhelmed with the brokenness that I just judge your brokenness. I'm so in awe of the brokenness that I think, shoo, look how tiny the Holy Spirit and God is next to what Satan has done in his life. I'll just keep quiet now because I'm quite overwhelmed with how big the brokenness is next to the smallness. That's obviously not the truth. But in that moment, that might be what I believe if I'm too overwhelmed to love that person. So only in that moment, it's difficult. You guys, I love reaching out and I'm so thankful I'm in the entertainment industry so I can reach out to people that don't know him, that have a lot of brokenness. But can I tell you my prayer nine out of 10 times in the conversation in my heart, I go, Jesus, teach me I have no clue. Like, teach me, I have no clue. I know your heart is for this person and it's great. My hundreds of missions and hallelujah, I have no clue. Just teach me. Because I know you would have left the 99 after you've ministered and healed and like taught them. And then you would have come to look for the lost sheep. So I know you would have been in this situation. I'm not in sin. Um, religion, I'm not in sin. I'm like wanting to. Because religion tells you stay away from brokenness. Religion tells you, don't reach out to that little one. Keep on staying holy with the 99. Oh, you're so good. You're so holy. Look at you. You keep on hanging with the 99. Um, Yes, I need my love and I get my fellowship and I get my affirmation. I get people that speak truth into my life that night from that group. 
But Jesus said, I came to seek the lost. So the whole time, we have an opportunity, the people around us, to look out and see. Thanks, friend. Um, I, thanks. I also look 20 to myself. Thanks. <laughs> 34. <laughs> so the thing is, practically, what does it look like to be so in awe of God that when I meet somebody in this brokenness, something in my heart says, oh, so I'm in this conversation of a few minutes ago with a person that's sleeping with someone else's wife and they, and they are not ashamed of it. They're quite proud of it because in their context, in their, their, their world, what they believe, the strongholds, the lies, the, the things that they believe, for them, it's cool to glory in that. And I'm here again. So the first option was to be so in awe of brokenness that I'm so overwhelmed that I just like, okay, I've got a pee-pee. I'm just going to go, you know. Um, or you can stand there and go, Jesus, I have no clue, but this sin and brokenness is smaller than the space between my fingers when I press them together next to you. And I need you right now to speak into my heart and give me a wild compassion for the brokenness that led this person to sleep with someone else because of the hurt and the longing for love. And Satan has got them in a trap. But God, you're so big and the traps of Satan are so small next to you. Use me. Yes? Okay. Yes. Dinner? Yes. I'd love to come to dinner to your house because my brain registers opportunity to connect with someone's heart. Not the sin, not what they believe with their heart. Because how many of you guys know... When, some, when you feel loved by somebody, they can ask you difficult questions. But when you feel somebody is jealous of you or looks down on you or whatever and they want to come, oh, somebody, you travel a lot, so where's your church now? Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> and then I'm like, um, last time I checked the body of God, it's all over the world. And for God, first price is obedience. So I cannot travel to where he sends me and stay in one place. And then you could be happy in some of the dark kingdom, but I'm not living for that. And I'm not, hear my heart, hear my heart. We should be planted in the body of Christ. We need fellowship. And that's why I openly thanked her for the love and the fellowship and the affirmation. Because I need that. I need that. I need to belong. I need to be part of God's household of faith. But there's a place where God wants to use us and where he says, even if it looks a little different than what your brain knows about, for instance, how to reach out to somebody, are you open so I can use you? So yes, when I get saved, let's say I struggled with alcohol. Um, um, praise God, I, I, don't, I don't drink alcohol. So now you can imagine, I'll, I'll already love Jesus. Now, no, don't drink alcohol. Now you see me with a stand-up comedy situations. What can I get you? A Coke. And then my new friend was like, no. And I'm like, fine, make it cream soda. <laughs> but, but the thing is, God made each one of us in a specific way. And I've got friends that they enjoy red wine. And what my conviction is, in, is not for someone else. But um, God says, I don't desire sacrifice. I just want obedience. So our job is to go, God, what are you calling me for? I know what you're calling my friend for or Mariette, but how does my outreach look like? What does it look like for me to be out of my comfort zone and love people? So, But let's say I did struggle with alcohol. Now I get saved. Now, I don't think it's a wise idea. There's not a rule, but I don't think it's a wise idea. If I struggle with men and alcohol, that I get saved on Tuesday and on Wednesday, I'm like, how's it, guys? How's it, barman? That's not wisdom. That's not wisdom. You need to come to a place where you get deliverance liberty and, and legacy and all those ease. Um, and it happens there. It happens in one-on-one with God. It happens in small group, but that's just like getting on a, you wanting to swim and the legacy series and all of that is like, I always tell people, it's like everybody can get in and start swimming. But if you, if you do that, it's like you're getting on this big diving board and you just get this head shot because those principles get implanted into your heart. So you guys, you need to do that as soon as you can. I was so upset with my friends, my first year or two in church, when for the first time I did these um, encounter series um, to go on missions, and my life changed, and I was upset, and I said to the people in my small group, 
I've been walking with a limp in so many areas of my heart for so long. And you knew I would get healing from these things if I do the encounter series. Why did you not encourage me to do it? And they looked at me. I don't know. And I'm like, come on, small group leader. Anyway, so I'm a young Christian and I'm in small group and I, my life changes like two years later. So I just want to tell you with urgency, then that's my job's done. You, it's your choice whether you do it or not. You need to go to the places where God comes to stir up the water so he can do new things and healing and restoration in your life. Because you're not going to run once the limp goes. You're going to fly in Jesus' name. I declare it over you. So let's go forward. So let's go to, we're busy with fear of God instead of being in awe of the enemy. Deuteronomy 6 verse 24 says, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, um, statutes of to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. So God commands us to fear him. He says it's for our good and that we might be preserved. The New American Standard says, so we might survive. So guess what? Sometimes we struggle to survive and we want to look at 100,000 reasons because it feels like there's 100,000 reasons. And sometimes it's because we are not standing in awe and in fear of God. So sometimes I think there's three like major issues, Lord, how are we going to deal with this? And then the Holy Spirit will remind me and I'll ask myself, Mariette, if I was like walking in abundance of fear of God, would that thing be an issue? I'm like, oh, no. Number two, would you struggle with compromise or potential compromise if you were also no? And number three, oh, okay, so God, the issue is not my three fruity fruit that's struggling. The issue is my heart. I'm not fearing you. So I just repent now in Jesus' name, and I just say, I choose to fear you. Just start declaring it with your mouth that you believe in your heart that God is awesome, he's mighty, and that you want to submit under the fear of him. Because as we keep on submitting ourselves to the Lord and resisting the enemy, he flees from it. It's from us, it says in James. Then the next scripture, Matthew 6, verse 20, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and fear. You cannot serve God and lust. You cannot serve God and insert anything else there. You cannot serve God. You cannot be in awe of God and in awe of something else at the same time. So the thing is, God is, uh, is asking us not to keep on focusing on being against brokenness, but he's saying, when you partner with me and you are in awe of me, the kingdom of heaven will come and brokenness will get so much less airtime and airplay. Also, you'll get to small group and you'll have these testimonies of what he's doing in your heart and then the people in your life versus every week telling them, I'm so sad that I keep on struggling still with this broken thing and there's a place where we must say yes I'm sad because I'm still struggling with this broken thing but if that's your life song you need to step away from being in awe of brokenness and get in awe of fearing God scripture does command us to flee from darkness in 1 Thessalonians 5 22 it says flee from every evil matter that's the Aramite Aramaic Bible in plain English. So the other translations say, stay away from evil matter or abstain from evil matter. But I love this translation that said, flee from every evil thing. So the thing is, the word commands us to flee from darkness. But that's an action, that's wisdom. The question is, what is sitting on the throne of my heart? Because if fleeing darkness is on the throne of my heart, I will not preach to people the gospel of Jesus. I will not pray for the sick if running away from sickness is on the throne of my heart. But if, if, if on my throne of my heart is to know Jesus and to introduce other people to him and I encounter a sick person because of the thing on my heart, because my heart has got such a desire to know him and such a desire for others to know him, I'll be like, oh, okay, Lord, so this is an unbeliever and they have a headache. You're like, hi, sorry, can I pray for your headache? And whether the person gets healed or not, guess what? Maybe that person had such an intense desire to be loved and noticed in this world, and their connotation as Christians are like, yeah, but you look funny, or your fruits is like this, I'll just, you know, keep on by so I can reach the other 99. And maybe the miracle of ministry in that moment was 
somebody there says, I see you, and I don't even care if the headache is because you drank so much for a hundred weeks. My heart is to minister love to you. So hallelujah, you guys. God, the whole time, in you and through you, in you and through me, wants to love on people. Wants to love on people. So um, I have to go quicker. Our thoughts determine what we do, what we choose, and who we are. So we were saying now that, yes, the word says flee from, from darkness, from brokenness, from every evil thing. But then God says in Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So there's a lot of, so yes, we, we must flee from those things, but what must be on the throne of my heart is to seek and to know Jesus, to seek and to know the kingdom of heaven for me and the people around me. What does that mean with my thought life? You guys, this is super important. I've walked in super strong victory um, once I got discipled that every thought that comes into my head is mine, the Holy Spirit, or the enemy. And we get to choose, do I partner with the enemy's thoughts that he plants into my head? For instance, like fear, condemnation, those things. That's not the Lord, that's the enemy. Or do I partner with what the Holy Spirit is saying? So, and if I've got a thought out of my flesh, do I say, oh, I actually don't want to ponder on that. I'll rather ponder on truth. So I was walking in victory of that. And a while back, I just realized I just slipped out of that. I've, I've the last while been allowing so many thoughts into my head and dwelling on them. And our thoughts is like who, that determines who we are, what we become and what we choose. So God says there's power in our thoughts because the, what you think is what you start to say. And what you say, well, it's a de- declaration. There's, there's life and death in your tongue. Life and death together is death. Um, and you get, you get to choose which it is. So that's why the Lord says in John 8 verse 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you guys, we need to keep on asking ourselves and one another, like, how's it going with your thought life? Are you pondering on a, a, a fight with a sibling or somebody that doesn't like you that you haven't seen in six months? Because that circle of thought, of condemnation, and of fear and life struggling, that's, that's just the enemy stealing your time and your focus. So that's why it's important to think about the truth, because the truth will set us free. So if I think about the truth, if I start speaking and declaring the truth. I start walking in the truth. Philippians 4 verse 8, again it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, that which is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Because guess what? If I keep on thinking about these things, that will be my normal conversation. Then I don't have to struggle between using words that curse. You guys, my heart inside, it gets grieved when I hear people that are sold out for God that use the mouth which they intercede with, which they praise with to use curse words. Jesus did not die for us so we could continue in sin. That is a lie from Satan. I don't care which area of your life you believe that lie, it stays a lie. Jesus died for us so I could walk away from curse, from cursing, from death, from brokenness. His grace is so that I can turn away from that. So I just want to say to you, the enemy keeps on telling you, it's not that bad to say this about that person. It's not that bad to use that curse word and not that one because grace and stuff, it's a lie. Jesus died for you so that this mouth can be so redeemed that it is open and attractive the whole time for the Holy Spirit to speak through. So I was struggling a few years back with using um, coarse words, kras and um, I was very convicted about it. But I uh, was not working, walking in fear of God in that area of my heart. So I would keep on, I wouldn't use it in front of strangers or people that are young in Jesus. Close friends, I kept on saying words and I would use a certain word and the Holy Spirit was like, what, why, why are you saying that? And then I would go to my friend, oh no, I'm, I'm, no I mustn't say that and I'll stop saying it soon. And now I look 10, thanks. <laughs> um, is it the pony? Um, so now the thing is, I kept on saying that for a few weeks. My heart was lukewarm towards God in this area. And one day I was driving on the N1 out of Cape Town and the Holy Spirit said to me, Mariette, do you want to disciple nations through your mouth, this mouth? 
And I said, you know it, God. It's the desire of my heart. And he said, if you cannot control your tongue in a conversation between life and death, how do you want to release life to the nations? And something switched in my heart. And I said, God, I've just been deceived in this area. That's why my heart was lukewarm towards what I allowed out of my mouth and into my eyes and into my ears. So now I'm not not using certain words because I think I'm a better Christian. No, I'm just so in awe of what God wants to do through me and in me that I'm just like in whichever way I can partner with whatever the word says, I just want it because I want kingdom. Okay, so now we must be in awe of God and not in awe of other things. Um, But then disappointment and life happens and we struggle and then, oh, if only we could get together during the week in little groups to encourage one another. Oh, if only we had phones where we could quickly send a WhatsApp to encourage one another to keep on being in awe of God. Oh, we have that. We have that. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. I'm not clever. I get this from the word. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Because there's power in our words. There's power in our words. There's power in what we confess. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. You guys, you guys, if God promises something, he stays faithful, irrespective of what a timeline looks like. For he who promised is faithful. Let us, and then here's my highlight, 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another for love and good works. Let me think about how I can stir Izan up for love and for good works. So what good works must Izan walk in? Let me think. Okay, God made her super good with administration. God made her to love people. So I'm like, friend, what is God like laying in your heart like, you know, and you're like, yes, yes, I love like using my gift of administration to serve in church. So, or I love people. And then the word says, like, think of ways how I can stir her up, how I can encourage her or my friend in small group, like, how can my friend, you say you've got a heart for the last, like, have you started um, in, in lunchtime during work hours to go have your lunch in the coffee lounge instead of at your desk? Have you started with that, friend? Because that's me considering how I can stir up the young evangelist Just practically, they think, I'm not going to get my work done if I go there. So I'll just work later and then eat the food at my desk here quickly. And then it's like, yes, but God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant for the things which I called you for. So if you're going to work 20 minutes later because you spend 20 minutes during lunch hour time to connect with somebody so that eternally they could get saved and be in heaven forever, is 20 minutes a lot to stay after work? <laughs> no, but sometimes we just get, we're so busy with all uh, the things, all the um, expectations that's on us. That's real, but that's why there's so much power um, in us stirring up one another saying, God has called you for this. I see it in your life. What are you doing about it? How can I encourage you with it? Sometimes we think accountability is going, okay, let's all be in awe of brokenness and sin. How is it going with all that brokenness and sin? No, no, no. It's like, Mariette, okay, let's say lust is holding me back. How's it going with that? Have you stopped like if there's lustful tunes? I know you don't watch porn and you don't watch people having sex on TV, but if there's a lustful like tune, like, do you go, oh, but I like the tune, or do you go like, no, my heart's desire's more for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to switch off this love and the club music. How's it going with that, Mariette? Because that's something I had to go through a few years ago where I had to choose, like, is my desire more for the presence of God than it is to hear a really cool tune? But I know the heart behind it is lust. So now encouraging me is going, hey, Mariette, how's it going with that? Because I know God has called you to reconcile in relationships and that for that you need love and lust comes to steal from that. So encouraging each other and what we were called to do instead of just focusing on what we are not called to do. And and with that same breath, I want to say that the whole time we can tell each other what we must not do, but how much power is there encouraging somebody for what they are called to do? So let's say I have a child. Some of you can imagine it because you don't have, and some of you have children, so you don't have to imagine it. Now you have a child. Imagine you just teach your child the whole time everything they can't do and they must not do. Remember, when we get to the tunny we're going to visit now, you better not be rude. 
don't not say thank you. Don't, don't jump on the bed when we get there. Don't run and look for toys and throw it out a window. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now the child comes there. Aren't you going to greet? What must I greet? I'm focusing on everything I mustn't do. So there is a place. Obviously, the enemy tells to somebody, you can just sleep around. Obviously, I must say to my friend that God saved. My friend, guess what? When we have sex or just intimate through kissing with different people, like they be like soul ties, pieces of our heart, we give to people. That's brokenness. It's not of God. So obviously, I'm encouraging people to flee from darkness. But that's not what my relationship with her is about. My relationship with this friend, this person I want to disciple, this, this colleague, is to show them Jesus. Because once we taste Jesus, we don't want that anymore. So now I'll say to my child that's still small, that's still learning, that's maybe a bit shy. Remember when we get there, we want to just greet the tiny and show her that we see her, we notice her, and we just want to make her feel loved. Né? So we're going to say, hello, tiny. That's all you have to say when we get there, okay? You don't have to have long conversations. I know it's hectic for you tall people. Okay. We get to the place. Hello, Magriki. Hello. Oh, we are so excited to see you. Eh? Hello, tiny. Oh, look at her greet you. Good job, sweetie. Do you want to go play? So there's this place where we can encourage one another for what God calls us for. Or we can keep on talking about doctrine till we blew in the face. So we can come together every week in small group and talk about the instructions of what we should do. And then during the week, we think about the instructions. We read books about the instructions. We go to small group. We speak some more about the instructions, what we should and shouldn't do. We come to church. Somebody stands in front. Remember what everything we must and mustn't do. Okay, go outside. How was your week? Uh, so I should reach out more. Um, I'm going to. So we talk about instructions. We talk about the encouragement. We talk about it. But imagine a bicycle club. They teach. They teach. Um, they teach you, they talk doctrine. Sorry, I, I see that, and then my brain goes there forever. Now he says, I look like time. Thanks. <laughs> Young time. So the thing is, imagine a bicycle club. They speak about how to ride a bicycle, and then next week when they come back, they discuss how they discussed in smaller groups the teaching on how to ride bicycles. That would be strange. So you guys, it's so good for us to discuss and to encourage one another what does the truth look like applied in your life. But then there's a place where the word says, consider how you can stir up one another to walk in the love towards other people. And I just want to warn you, because that's a trap. Because I can think, I'm so for God, because I keep on speaking about the things of God, what I can do, how I can pray for the sick, and never pray for the sick by accident. And the enemy's like, yes, she keeps on talking about the manual, but she never applies it. Yes, I'm keeping her from walking in the fullness of what God has for her. But hallelujah, it's just a small trap and lie. God is very big. Those things are small. So that's a good reminder. So let's talk about what we should do. There's a lot of stuff we, we mustn't do, and we, that's important, but let's look at what the focus of our heart can be if we want it to be that. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, now God says all authority has been given to him. Out of that place of all authority, he now speaks and says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them how to obey everything I've commanded you. So there's power in teaching. It's important. And then there's the power. You know you've been good at teaching when somebody starts applying what you have taught. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So God says all authority has been given. And from that place I command you to go and do it with authority that I have received. And you get that authority because you get to do these things in the name of Jesus and he says, and then remember, I'm with you always. So actually God is saying, let's go. Everywhere. Your work, your family, checkers. God's saying, let's go. I've paid for the authority. Now I give it to you. Now I'm with you. Let's go. Mark 20, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. 
So guys, sometimes we get confused. We start thinking, am I successful enough? Because the world says success is this. And then, then we have to ask ourselves again, what is success? And then I have to ask myself, what is my definition of ultimate success? Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Or maybe you go to scripture and you say, Wait, the ultimate is to love God and love neighbors. Am I busy doing that irrespective of what's happening and what the culture's expectation is of me? Yes or no? John 13, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So guys, that person that I was speaking to earlier that's walking in a lot of brokenness, if I love this person, I'm proving to them, number one, God exists. Because I can't, I can't believe that the word says, by this people will know you are my disciples, you are mine, if you love one another. So for me, when I believe that people belong to God because of their love, it means their love points to me that, number one, he's real, because I can't believe that somebody belongs to God if I don't believe he's real. So by loving one another, by loving an agnostic person, by loving and serving an atheist, I'm showing to him God is real, because the word says, by your love for one another, they will know that you are mine. So there's this place where we can cheer each other the whole time on, saying, how's it going with your loving people? How's it going with you, loving people? And it looks different for Mariette than Peter, and that's why we're in small group and we have conversations around that to spur each other on. So the other day, um, okay, so I get invited to do stand-up comedy, and um, I'll, the, the place I'll be doing it, there will be some brokenness, and um, so I inv- so obviously this is an opportunity for me to be salt and light um, at a place where there's, where there's hurt or lies or deception or whatever you want to call it. There's just two kingdoms. One is light, one is dark. So I get invited to be light in the dark. Now, obviously, I'm so excited and I message somebody saying, hey, I'll be performing, we'll be performing there. Um, do you, do you want to come? Would you please come? Because obviously support for me being the light somewhere is just going to make the light brighter. Now, obviously, and then this person can either respond and say, what? No, no, we're bringing the masses. We're going to be sitting there and interceding that when you do stand-up comedy, people get saved and healed. Because that person is so in awe of how big God is and how good he is and what he wants to do. Or they can respond and say, shoo at that broken place. Now, I'm quite holy. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on my holiness. So I wouldn't want our oh, broken stuff to reach me here. So we get to choose. Are we in awe and in fear of God? Are we in awe and fear of brokenness? Choose fear of God. So somebody asked me the other day, listen, Mariette, um, I've got a colleague or I'm opering somebody and they are stuck in witchcraft or in Satanism or they are in new age stuff, stuff that's not, that's very broken. And so, so please, would you give me advice? Um, this was a conversation I had a while back from somebody that's just hungry to grow and in ministry, ministering to people around them in their workplace, how do I explain to them that what they are doing is evil, is wrong? How do I explain to them that it's off, it's off, it's not good? My first question is, is the person saved or not? If, uh, yes, the person is saved. Then my quest, second question, do they know that your heart is for them? Do they feel loved by you? Because if they're saved, you actually have a responsibility and you've got a relationship with them. You actually have a responsibility to point to them the difference between life and death. Otherwise, you never love them. Other question. Oh, let's, my first question, are they saved, yes or no? Because that determines how you're going to handle them. Let's say I go, are they saved? They go, no. Then I say, okay, cool. How cool is this? So your focus of your heart, your actions, your prayer, your fasting, whatever you want to do for this person, you're going, Lord, how do I introduce them to Jesus? Because once you, you see light, nobody has to fight with you that darkness exists. But sometimes people that are in the dark, the light is off. We want to go in the dark and, and intellectually just like explain to you that this is dark. And you just can't see it because you're deceived. Oh, look at the love in that. Oh, <laughs> look at the revelation in that. It's different when God says, just go tell the person in the darkness it's dark. But the Holy Spirit, you will know when it's that. But nine out of ten times, we go into the darkness so we just flip the light. So that once the light goes on for that person, that person wants to run around and switch everybody else's light on. So you guys, the whole time, every opportunity we have, every conversation, we can point people to Jesus. 
And I'm not saying we mustn't speak the truth when people are, are sitting in brokenness. But the question is, are you my saved friend? Then I need to speak to you if you'll keep on walking in brokenness. Otherwise, I didn't love you. But if you are my friend that's new and you don't know the love of Jesus yet, I can't like, come and fight with you about brokenness. I want to show you Jesus. So hallelujah for what God wants to do in us and through us. When we walk in the fear of God, and I'm done, you can please stand and the worship team can come to the front. When we walk in the fear of God and being in awe of how big and good he is, we start walking in expectation. You've got an expectation when you meet people that's walking in brokenness, when you are in awe of what God can and wants to do in their life. You can, everybody can have a look. It's the worship team. You saw them earlier. <laughs> They're leaving. I'm the same also. Like movement, sound, and color makes me look like that. It's just like interesting. So you guys, um, this is not condemnation. This word is an invitation to be so in awe of God that you're walking with expectation instead of fear with regards to your own challenges and other people's challenges. And it's not because you tried harder. It was just a natural outflow of being in awe of the king of kings and something practical. There's power in what we do in the natural. That's why we sing out loud and we don't stand here and sing in our head. There's power. There's power. There's power connected to our actions because what we do when we clap our hands, there's a connection between what happens in the spirit realm and the natural. That's why there's power in getting baptized in the water. If you haven't been baptized, today's your opportunity. I want to encourage you to follow Jesus. He said, be baptized like I was baptized. I was your perfect example. Today at 2 o'clock, you've got an opportunity to follow Jesus. There's going to be a baptism at 2, right? Um, I'm Sorry? Uh, Deirdre's house but you can come chat to us afterwards if you want to get baptized um, too. so there's power in the natural so I want to say to you if you haven't bowed down to God in a while sometimes when we go in the natural something shifts in our heart so whether it's in church or at home I want to encourage you if you want your heart to be soft to Jesus bow down to him and say this is me I want to bow to you because you're the king of all the earth. That one is just for free. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we can please stand. Holy Spirit, we're just so excited to think that you want us to walk in a place of freedom. Because when we fear you, we are so free from everything else. And I just want to say thank you that you invite us to freedom. Thank you that you invite us to being in awe of who you are and setting us so free, God from our own fears. Thank you, God, that the people in front of me, they are fear set freers. It's what they do. That's what you want to do in them and through them, God. God wants to use you to set people free of their fears. Did you know that? God wants to set you free. He wants to show you where the light switch is. And then he wants you to show others where the light switch is while they show others, while they show others. So we just want to say thank you, God, that you're setting us free bit by bit by bit. And you're faithful. Even if we slip again and we fall down, you still come and say, come back, my child. Repentance and and restoration is always available for you on this earth. So thank you, Jesus, for that. If, if, If you're here today and you realize by accident that you've actually been on the throne of your heart has not been the fear and the awe of how big and how good God is. There's been other things, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And you want to say, God, I say I love you, but I realize my thought life, my heart life, and my action life has been showing that there's other things that by accident, a sneaky, sneaky started with a toe and then the foot and then come to sit on the throne of my heart. If you want to say to God today, I want just to be in awe of you. I want my heart for you and your kingdom to be on the throne of your heart. You can just reach out to Jesus, one hand, two hands, anywhere you want to. If you want to say thank you for those hands, if there's anybody else here that you have a desire to say, God, I don't want to be in awe of structures in, in consumed by what must and mustn't. I just want to be in awe of your might, in awe of Jesus. And from that place of freedom walk, I want you to raise your hands to Jesus. You don't have to if you don't want to. 
But do not, do not say with your mouth you are hungry for God, but be hard in your heart right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you see us, Father. I want us um, to come to the front. Obviously, we can pray anywhere we are, but there's power in movement. So if you've raised your hand, please come to the front. We're going to pray for you and we're going to pray for one another. And if you didn't raise your hand, I've got it. Thanks, friend. Um, If you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be in awe of God, because you've been in all of the things. Just come to the front. We're wanting to pray for you. The Lord has stirred up the water. His presence is here. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to pray for somebody, please come to the front and come pray for you. You can stand closer to me so others can stand behind you and, and pray for you. Thanks so much. So I want you just to put your hand on the person next to you. We're going to pray for one another and then facilitators are going to pray for you. So I'm going to lead us in prayer and then you can pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, you are awesome. You are mighty. You are beautiful. And you're so good. And I declare it with my mouth because I believe it in my heart. And today I repent for sometimes being in awe of brokenness, in awe of fear, in awe of the darkness. But Jesus, I am now in awe of you. Teach me how to fear your name. I fear you, God, and I want to fear you in every area of my heart. And I want the fruits to show it. So touch my heart today as I give it to you afresh. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for touching my heart because I repented in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from Shaza Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.